We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in this Monday edition, Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready. We'll tell you about Clark Ford. As always, the Clark Ford Studio, even though we're not currently in it right now. Big week for uh, Ole Miss men's basketball. They got Mississippi State tomorrow night, seven thirty. They got Auburn on Saturday, both at home. And it became an even bigger week after the uh, Rebels knocked off Texas A&M, seventy-one sixty-eight, Saturday night in College Station. We'll uh, discuss that. Look at a Saturday of action in the SEC. We will uh, discuss the uh, the past few days from a financial women's basketball standpoint that uh, that occurred involving, uh, really me, I was going to say the site, but me, over the last few days. And then uh, also NFL playoffs, uh, 49ers Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. We'll discuss that a little bit. we got some, uh, some construction news for the Ole Miss campus. Pretty busy day uh, here on the uh, pod. Some of the NFL probably will get moved to tomorrow because we'll need it as the uh, as the week goes on. But anyway, that's kind of the setup for today and for a show that um, is always brought to you by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You know about it now. The Beer Cave here locally. Got a lot of stuff. Got Super Bowl in a couple weeks. Probably going to have some rib specials for you, some pulled pork specials. You need to cater that Super Bowl party. The Oxford Exxon and all Blue Sky locations will be able to help with that. And in the meantime, get the lunch specials, stop in, up and down I-55 throughout North Mississippi as well. And then uh, Clark Ford is in Amory now. It is in Amory. 662-257-1900 is the number to call. Call it. Ask for uh, our buddy Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're interested in. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle. No haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. The people at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. Again, 662-257-1900. Guest join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow, the Campbell Clinic. Provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery 
to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. So let's go ahead and knock it out at the beginning so I can move on and we can talk basketball and some other stuff. Uh, as, as most have joked, and I will say, appeared that I got a lot of backing on the site and on social media, so... Thank you for that. Uh, it's appreciated. Even though I, I was never really worked up. You know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Is I, I've got fairly thick skin. Uh, stuff doesn't really bother me. And and one of the reasons I do it is probably a bad trait. Is that as soon as somebody sort of comes at me about something, I have a tendency to try to see that side immediately, where I almost go, "Okay, how would I even go about agreeing with you? Do I understand what you're doing?" And then after that, I might get pissed off, and I'm kind of one of those people that it takes a lot to really make me mad, like a whole lot. But then when I do, I go completely berserk. Where people are like, "God, what happened? How, how did that get there?" And I'm like, "Well, the problem with me is it's been kind of just incrementally building, and I haven't shown you any of that, and then suddenly I erupt like a volcano." And it, it it never got to that point at all. Um, I I mean, from the complete background here is Ole Miss releases these financial numbers at the same time every year. They're due by the end of the year. The fiscal year ends at the end of June, and then they take five six months, get the report out, and put the report out. And in general, these numbers mean nothing as a, hey, here's the one number for the thing. You've got to really kind of dig in to start analyzing and understand what they mean to, to any level. Um, by the way, wow, Bobby Ray Gray, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Says for a charcuterie board during the interview. If I get an interview, I will do a charcuterie board on your behalf, and I will uh, I will show pictures of it. We'll use our good friends uh, at Johnson Hill Creamery to do one of those bad boys and get that thing uh, get that thing out. So, Bobby, awesome. Appreciate you, man. Uh, so... So and they really just to interrupt you for a second, yeah, they yeah. release it voluntarily because if they don't, everyone's gonna file a FOIA because people's editors want this story and everyone yeah, the NCAA it. requires the report. So then you just put it out. Sure. So you just go ahead and release it because that way you avoid all the people filing a FOIA and stuff. You just like, okay, look, the numbers yeah. are public record, here they are. So what I was doing was teasing Stories to come, which are still to come. I've gotten sidetracked with some construction stuff that I thought was way more time-sensitive and interesting than financial numbers that really are just moving things down to different lines in different ways. Um, But to tease it, I like sports-specific numbers, and I said, hey, here's the bottom line that the university released on these four sports for the 2023 fiscal year. Football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball. And there were things like this that... Coach Yo got frustrated about in every sport in those numbers. There was like there's weird line items in all of them in different ways. It was not representative of overall health of the athletic department. And in no way was it, frankly, talking about women's basketball in general. It never even it, I was not making a statement in any way about women's basketball. I I chose the four sports that have season ticket sales was the reason that I did that. Because those are the only four sports on campus that actually sell season tickets in the way that that they do for those sports and have any type of premium seating options. So it was going to be just a starting point to move forward in whatever. And I I, I think what happened, and, and like I said, I, I think she handled it poorly. I think she went about it the wrong way. Um, she saw things that simply were not there um, completely. I think she 
saw the tweet, um, saw the report, was frustrated by the numbers related to her because, look, we're all focused on ourselves. She only saw the thing that affected her. And goes out, they get a crowd that she did not think was representative of where they are as a program at this point. They win the game and then... Against against Florida on a yeah. Tuesday night? Thir- Wednesday night? Uh, Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night. Thursday night, night. Right, right. Yeah, right. they beat Florida on Thursday night and then... It, the emotion spilled over. She started the first part of the press conference, as everybody's heard right now, so I'll be quick on this part, with talking about Oxford and Ole Miss and supporting women's sports and how women's sports are on the rise. She made some bad examples right there because LSU, South Carolina are two national champions, the top two programs in the country. They've had a very established part of winning, either with Mulkey's success at Baylor, their recent title, and then Carolina is by far the permanent program in the country at this point. And then had mentioned Mississippi State, where, sure, they weren't in the Sweet 16 last year, but stayed under their form, Schaefer, their former, the Schaefer, their former coach, nationally elite, played for a national title, Final Fours, all that stuff. That is a very ingrained sport on that campus at this point that, you know, look, took time there, too. Um, at, at, at that point. Um, but nonetheless, that's kind of where it went. And the second half was aimed directly at me. I think I was guy on Twitter or something or she said not to, she wasn't going to say my name and, and give me that credit, which is fine. I, whatever. But, um, no, at no point was I common doing any commentary on her program, her coaching acumen, anything to do with her program whatsoever. I was not saying that they only lose money. I was not saying that uh, they shouldn't exist or whatever words were used at that point. It was strictly a bottom line number from the university. Now, as I get into that and explain how those numbers were were there, and again, this story will come out of Rebel Grove later in the week, is the debt services line, in my opinion, should not be put into that sport's actual expense report. Does that make sense, Neil? I I don't think that's a fair thing for any sport to try to figure out whether they made or lost money. And Keith Carter told me on Friday they're probably going to create a new line that's not sport-specific for that. So both basketballs, men and women, took about a $2.5 million each hit on expenses for pavilion debt because of the pavilion being built. So that $8 million is... Six million, so eight and a half million, six million, something like that. Which again, still is what it is, but it's not eight and a half. But the men's number was, you know, almost more interested. That nobody, it was the difference in kind of perception and what people think or even worry about is that the men's basketball program showed a three and a half million dollar loss. Which men's basketball should not be losing money as a school. You need to be making money as a men's basketball program. However. That was two and a half million for the debt services, and that was one point seven million ish for Kermit's buyout still in the contract too. So if you take those things out, men's basketball actually did make money last year. But I didn't point that out either. That was not part of my deal. I didn't point out that why football had twelve point two million in revenue. Hey, that forty three million from the SEC network that's contributed to football. Okay, we didn't put that in the line item on football, but. If it wasn't for football, I highly doubt that fo- that the SEC networks paying each school forty three million bucks. Uh, so that explains the forty. Mi- that explains the forty missed calls from Chris Beard, right there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It does. So I, I guess that's my point. Is I, you know, I think I, I think we're all self absorbed to some extent, and I think that uh, I think she saw a lot of things that were not there. Frustration boiled over in a lot of ways. And look, we're. 
I, I, I'm making light of it because we're not we weren't harmed in this any in any way. I mean, I mean, if any, if anything from a tangible, and I think it's all going to blow, blow, blow over and be a nothing on all accounts. But I mean, at this moment, I think they have been tangibly harmed much more than we have in this, um, just by a couple of things that I've heard and been told about things that are not necessarily public. Um, but. It, it, it's whatever. Um, I responded. I invited her on the show. Um, I pointed out that a lot of times we say things on Twitter that are not completely in context or real life, and apparently there can be confusion on the internet. Uh, I've learned that over the last few days. Uh, I have not received a response. It appears I'm not going to. I think she is trying to just move on at this point, which is a good PR move completely. Um, I was asked yesterday, and this is fair. Well, I take that back. We could all make light of this and move on and be in a better spot, but I understand the just trying to move on at the same time, too. Um, and I'll let Neil come in after this one last thing. I was asked by a couple people that were, were being sincere when they asked this. They said, why did you not go to the the game yesterday? Um, because I don't cover the sport. There was no reason for me to go and make it about me. Because if I go to that game yesterday, I am making it about me. And look, they won. What if they had lost? If I go to a press conference and they lose the game and I'm there, it comes off as antagonistic, which was not mm-hmm. the goal in any way. So that that's why. It wasn't, hey, why don't you just go, conf- you know, not confront her, but go where she is. No, that, that creates an element that we are not about, we're not trying to do, and that's, that's you know, th- that would be actually way more aggressive than anything that we did to begin with, which was not aggressive at all. I mean – the only thing I'll say about it is I think that she – and I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth, and maybe I'm wrong. I think that she – you weren't the only person who wrote numbers last week. Um, I think she doesn't appreciate the fact that our outlet does not cover her team as a beat. And I have a suspicion – I don't know this. I have a suspicion that she takes that personally – when it's not personally, it's just an organizational decision that we've made because when we have covered them in the past as a beat, the analytics don't support it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were people that, that went out to Seattle last year for the Sweet 16, and I'm not criticizing that at all. It's a decision that they make, but that's a, I don't know, three, $4,000 expense to cover a, a game that the moment that game's over, the story's over. There isn't an interest. Now, let me say this. There isn't a widespread interest. Are there a group of people that care about it? Sure. But there's no widespread interest in women's basketball recruiting, for example. Nobody really cares. There's just not a lot of that. You know, and, and I get how that's frustrating to her. Because to her, she's she's pouring herself into that basketball program. That's her job. She's well, as I wrote yesterday in 10 Thoughts, she's well compensated for it. Um, She's done a very good job. She's taken a program that was awful and made it very competitive. They went Mm -hmm. to the Sweet 16 last year. They're, I think, they're five five and two in the SEC. They've done a hell of a job. They're five and two after beating Tennessee yesterday. Um, They've got a lot going for them. But the contextual part that I think she left out in her rant um, was, you know, Oxford's a small town. They had just played a men's game the night before against Arkansas. Um, The weather wasn't great. It was foggy that night. Um, You're just – 
to compare yourself to South Carolina or to LSU just on metrics, on demographics, is, is it's already flawed. LSU's a big town. I mean, Baton Rouge is a big town. That's, two, cap- that's two state capitals. Yeah, it's a state capital. Columbia is a big city. It's a state capital. There's there's people who work within I mean, thousands of people who work within walking distance of, of their arena. They're, um, you know, LSU's a bigger campus than, than Ole Miss. South Carolina's a bigger campus than Ole Miss. She was upset about students not coming to games, but look, I mean, this has been proven. If you want students to come to game, you have to incentivize it. You've, you, you, this, and at the end of the day, it's, and I wrote this like about it's it's you can get frustrated about the fact that you you're kind of coaching a niche sport, or you can embrace the fact that you're kind of coaching a niche sport, and and it is niche. It's big, and it's the biggest women's sport, but. You, it doesn't have the same interest level as men's sports. Look at WNBA ratings. Look at the women's the women's college tournament gets pretty good ratings, but you know, and they got a lot of attention last year when they were in the tournament. A ton of it. She got a lot of a national attention last year when they knocked off Stanford. And we published every bit of that. Every bit of it. We did. We we you know, we, we did it. Do we do a good enough job probably consistently publishing the press releases and the No, we don't. Honestly, and frankly, that's that's probably on me more than it is on anybody. But there's no widespread demand on our site for women's basketball coverage. They want they want football coverage. They want football recruiting coverage. They want men's basketball coverage, and they want baseball coverage. You know, and it's not a personal thing. Matt Mott's a good friend of mine. He's now the coach at Oklahoma, but he was the coach at at Ole Miss. His son Will plays with my son Carson on the OHS soccer team. We didn't cover Ole Miss soccer as a beat. Why? Because there wasn't enough interest to justify it. There wasn't. It didn't. We didn't get a return on that investment. Um, Stephen, when when Stephen was here, he he was one McRoberts. of our Mac Roberts. I want to say Mac Walters for some reason. Mac Roberts was a neighbor, a friend. I mean, we didn't cover Ole Miss volleyball as a beat. Neither does anybody else. The reason that no one does is because it just doesn't justify it. So. I don't know. I, th- I think she was frustrated. She expressed it kind of in the wrong way. And look, for the record, she has an open invitation on the podcast. And always has. I've gone, I mean, I, I, I've invited her twice through media relations over the course of her tenure, and that has not worked out. I have not received times back that would be that would work for those those invitations. But yeah, no, complete open invitation. Happy to talk to discuss whatever i don't care i mean we, yeah as we said mott's done it mcroberts has done it we've had golf coaches tennis coaches i mean we, we, we've we've done that consistently it is a complete open invitation at this point and you know it, it is it's women's sports is growing there's no doubt about that uh women's athletics is is in a point where it is progressing on the back of caitlin clark and the lsu players and different things along those lines yeah, and, and I and and it's the market situation is what was missed and all that. But yeah, I, I get her frustration. I mean, I, I get anybody is is investing your life into a into a product and in a task and all these things, and and, and being frustrated by that. Um, there, there, there's 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 no doubt. Um, but yeah, it just there's a lot in there that uh, that was kind of out of context in all directions. Um, yeah, but you know, the, the only part I'll say is that we don't have an agenda against her program or against her or anything like that at all none none zero 
just it's there's only two of us we've had a hard time consistently getting interns and things of that nature like i think we're going to call i think we're going to cover softball pretty pretty prominently this spring but it's because i found an intern that really wants to cover softball yeah and is capable of doing that it's problematic sometimes it really is but um you know i i understood her frustration the only thing i'll say about it this is this is something that just it, it it gets back into the whole big picture thing and this has been this way for before NIL and before the transfer portal. If you were running an athlete, it's one where people go, hey, you know, pay the players, collectively bargain, uh, revenue sharing, all those things. But man, you got to be super careful here when you go down this, okay, this is a business. Let's treat it like a business. Because when you do that, at a large majority of programs, football makes money. Men's basketball makes money, and everything else bleeds. Mm-hmm. And so if you treat it like a business, you are going to take away a lot of opportunities from, for the most part, young women. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I have a quote from Keith Carter that I'll use in a story this week is that he understands that it's not how a private company would run its books. They would look at it and go, what in the hell are you doing? But at the end of the day, their job is to give opportunities to young people, period. And that's what they do, and that's why they run into deficit, and they figure it out, and they do all the things they did. I mean, because frankly, the bigger story of those whole financial records, and again, I'll get into the minutiae as time goes on when we need the rainy day content, but Ole Miss had an athletic budget of like 140 to $150 million last year. That is such an increase to where it was, and where that sits nationally is such a big deal. And yeah, sure, they had an $8 million deficit. And look, you would rather not have a deficit, but it's not the end of the world. It's really not that big of a deal. They had a surplus from 2021. They're going to get a new TV contract that's going to pump the numbers back up again here soon, and they're going to do whatever. And they spent more than half of that increase in, in expenses on football. And nobody in their right mind can say that that is not 100% justified and has helped the university tenfold to what they spent in it. So... Oh, 100%. Completely the right decision. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's there. They have a 65,000 seat stadium and they operate expenses like they have 100,000 seats. Okay, that's what you have to do in the SEC to be competitive. So it is what it is. You figure it out. Yeah, you have to have all the analysts and all of those things that on paper don't make a lot of sense on a ledger. They don't make a lot of sense. But in reality, it's what you have to have to be competitive at the highest levels. And when you're as competitive as Ole Miss has been over the last three, four years, it results in uh, larger enrollment, more endowment, the whole thing. I mean, probably probably shouldn't. I mean, if, you know, but it, but it does across the board. We've talked about it with Alabama with the run that, that they had with Nick Saban that completely changed that university academically. Buildings and things on campus, all that stuff. Everything, everything changed because of what they did in football, period. Bobby, uh, again, thank you uh, so much. He says, at the end of the day, the comments in our tweets speak volumes. Keep what you're doing. We love it. Appreciate you. Whatever coffee you're having, let me know, and I'll buy you like eight crates of it, and I'll send it to your house. Just send me a DM. I I will fill you up with whatever uh, whatever the coffee is for the rest of the year that you're – whatever you're doing this morning, let's uh, let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) 
more than happy to, to, to support your, uh, your your morning activities at this point, Bobby. Appreciate you. For, thank you for uh, being there. Yeah, look, I don't know. I mean, again, we'll close this. We're kind of going in circles now. No agenda at all. It really had zero to do with women's basketball. That's what I wrote on the message board yesterday is that in hindsight, again, I cannot speak for her. I have no idea. I probably could have just asked a couple people, hey, what is my reputation? What is this thing here? What are we trying to do? Because I told her, my, my daughter likes these women's basketball games. She had no idea what I do or do not do for women's basketball or women's sports or what my household is. You know what I mean? Like all those different things. There's no way that that would have have translated to that point. So anyway, uh, all good. They beat Tennessee. Huge win. Five and two in the SEC. It, it's what's hidden in that is, yeah, she's done one hell of a job. She's worked to increase crowds. She's been pretty good in the community. All those different things. It just takes a lot of winning and takes a lot of time, and it's understanding markets in a lot of ways. Um, there, I, I saw a comment in the in the stream that they took charter. That that is to clear up a couple Title Nine things real quick because I do think this is relevant as these budget things come out. Salary is not tied to Title Nine directly. I, I know that the official definition acts like it is, but there's caveats for market. And because of the money produced and revenue and different things, you do not have to factor uh, salaries into Title IX where you got to worry about the women's basketball coach not making what the men's does or tennis or golf or anything else. It doesn't work like that. And then, But what does work is they were talking about charter flights. If a men's sport, in whatever way that it's provided, has amenities, women's sports have to have equal amenities. So that does run numbers up in some ways depending on – because. I mean, this is not an example of women's basketball. This is just sports in general nationally. Let's say it's tennis, and there's a donor that goes, I love me some men's tennis. I'm going to fly them all over the country. A women's sport has to have that equal opportunity. Even the school has to pay for it. You have to give equal opportunities and possibilities, and it doesn't necessarily go to uh, go to salaries in that. So just FYI, that's how some of that stuff works from that uh that capacity. Um, and I think I, I had the box score here. I think I think the attendance was 3,800 yesterday, something like that, the women's game, which I think is about what it would have been without all the sideshow. I mean, I think in, at some point it was just a bunch of noise in all directions. Yeah, 3,863 was the attention was the attendance yesterday, something like that. So, anyway. Uh, all right. Uh, news um, – Construction-wise, things going on. Wrote a story. Uh, I met, like I said, I met with Keith Carter on Friday afternoon. I'll have a good bit of content as the week goes on. We just we covered stuff. Um, I just we just hit some revenue stuff, some construction stuff, some other news. So I'll have that that thing, those things trickling out to you over the next few days. Um, wrote a story yesterday morning about how they are or. Keith said likely, but I'm going to say that he just had to do that because they don't have it on concrete somewhere. They're going to flip the cameras um, in the pavilion. You guys have been really frustrated by camera angles in the pavilion, what they show because the club seats are not always filled, um, usually never filled. Instead, they're going to uh, turn the cameras. They're going to put them toward the students. Um, he also answered our long-running thing of did the SEC mandate it to be that way, and he said no, it is a best practice was the reason that it went there that about 90% of the schools in the country did it that way when the pavilion was built. It's down to 70 now. Um, I went through yesterday morning and watched highlights in all 14 arenas in the SEC. Uh, five show, five don't show the benches, which is what Ole Miss is going to. Eight show the benches, and then Vanderbilt has the benches on the baselines. So that is the, the breakdown at this point. I, I had it somewhere on who does what, but I don't know where that is right now. 
uh, here. Uh, the way Ole Miss is going right now, or the way they're going to flip to, it will be the same as Alabama, Florida, Auburn, LSU, and Mississippi State. Those are the other arenas that uh, that do that. So they're going to drop it a level two, which is going to make it lower because it kind of feels like he, he he said it's almost like a basketball all twenty two cam right now. It's just too high. Mm-hmm. So they're going to drop it to the concourse from the mezzanine. And then they're going to flip it to the other side. They will have to reorient the court. They'll have to repaint it in the other direction because you do have to have that lined up correctly. Um, and that will be done in the off season. Probably, he said that as of now, they'll have to maybe lose 12 to 14 seats, but they'll figure that out. And as time goes on, on what exactly that looks like, it'll be all right. It's all going to be okay. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where we're at. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is they have to be easy to be right. Sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a great place to work through the challenges and face in all of your relationships, whether it's with friends, work with significant others, or really anyone. When you put that work in, great things can happen in those relationships. BetterHelp is a an awesome way to do that because you know maybe you talk to people who have preconceived notions, family members, they're emotional about topics. This is somebody just for you. They can help you if you don't like who it is. You can switch providers. You can find somebody else. You can do all these different things with BetterHelp to get the help you need. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Design can be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And again, switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MPW. Podcast brought to you in part by GNM Pharmacy and Tyson Drugs there in Holly Springs. GNM in Oxford, Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. They've got their uh, high-dose flu shots for patients over 65 years old. Or uh, anyone that needs that level of protection. Flu obviously going around big time right now. So you can uh, you can get that. You can also get the RSV vaccine they have in uh, stock as well at both locations. Holly Springs and Oxford. And they make it easy. They let you schedule your appointments for your vaccines. Come in. Get them. Be on your way. That's 662 to schedule. 662-236-2222 for GNM and Oxford. Or 662-252-2321 for Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Podcast also brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got uh, 2024 football season tickets available now. That's for new and renew tickets. Take advantage of that. Go ahead and get on with it. The excitement is only going to increase prior to the 2024 season. Also, men's and women's basketball. They start conference play this week. You've got SEC mini plans and single-game tickets still available. That is for uh, men's basketball, women's basketball. And then uh, we tell you about multiple campaigns going on right now, the Champions Now campaign. That's the big capital campaign from the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got Forever Ole Miss if you're looking into state state planning, Vault Society, Empower, a lot of different ways to uh, do philanthropic giving there with the foundation. Also, a reminder, the men's and women's tennis teams have upcoming matches at home later this month. Tickets not required for that. And then, obviously, Morgan Wallen tickets still available. All those things, OleMissTicks.com. I've been telling you that Prime Shrimp is giving away free shrimp for the entire year to one lucky rebel. Here's how to enter. You go to primeshrimp.com slash mpw. You place any order, any order at all. Use promo code JUICE. Take 20% off your order and be entered to win. You can place additional entries by posting your shrimp on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with hashtag primeshrimp. Hashtag mpw. Winners will be chosen on January 31st. So get that orders in. And then also the podcast brought to you by NE Spark. 
in eSpark is uh, service people across rural communities, two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze. The one gig, it powers the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's eSpark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, parental controls, network security, and much more. So again, get the best internet in Lafayette County. That's 662-238-3159. Uh, that's basketball. Baseball wrote a story this morning that they are going to start construction right after the season on a new premium seating area that's going to seat 450 to 500 people um, down the left field line. It is going to have some kind of individual suite options. It's going to be somewhat similar to the dugout club where you get your food and drink inside, but there's not the same amount of like recommended seating inside like the diamond club would have you need to go back out to your seat to see full views of the action there will be windows where you can see some of it out from inside but it's not going to be a normal seating area like the uh, the diamond club and then the other part of the news on this is they are halting or pausing i think was the word he used the outfield construction plans which were going to be phase one of this project but because of NIL and not knowing where capital campaigns are going and all these things, they are tabling that and only doing this left field design right now. Again, it'll move season ticket possibilities up to about 9,000 in total for a program that I think made it made $166,126 last year, which means if you're in the black and in baseball, you 100% did your job uh, financially times 1,000. Um, How many programs in the country you think are in the black? Keith and I were kind of talking about that in depending on how they report LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and maybe South Carolina and Mississippi State. So that six, is? probably, I mean, there might be a really small stadium somewhere that just doesn't spend anything, but as far as the revenue produced, yeah, it's got to be those six, I would think if it, it, it maximum at that point, something like that. And, and he pointed out that if they did the revenue expense report the way they do it now, next year would have this project on the baseball debt service, so they wouldn't make money. But as we said, for basketball, football, and baseball, I expect them to not put that in the report next year under that kind of line item. But um, this also will include a new entrance into left field somewhere around the foul pole, um, an All-American Plaza, which I do not know what that entails necessarily, and then that statue of Tim Elko will also go up during this uh, this part of the process as well. Um, they're going to start right after the season. It will be completed for the 26th season, so next season will happen with construction going on. Um, that's something that's also going to be going on for softball this season. Softball is going to play on-site, but they are going to do construction Shoot. as much as possible around them playing games um the huge and it is a huge impact but the biggest impact is the only seating for softball this season will be a temporary seating structure that seats about 400 people somewhere around right field i don't know exactly where it's going but somewhere around right field it'll let players parents players families the the really invested softball fans they have a seat but it's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a slog for a year here before they they open their new stadium in 2025. Um, they will have, um, they will have SEC Plus streaming, all those kind of things. I mean, I think Keith said it's not going to be the most super aesthetically pleasing thing in the world, just because of what it's going to be looking at and being around. But that you will be able to stream all the games online as you would any other year or any other SEC thing. So. It's uh it's breaking a lot of eggs to make an omelet right now for softball, but that's where they stand this year going into uh into next season from a construction standpoint. Um, 
everybody keeps asking about Vault Hemingway. That is not on the radar right now, um, in my opinion. I will say this. Keith does have a good plan. Is in they're going to stop trying to just put lipstick on a pig. And when they fix it, really fix it. I mean, the, the plan that got paused because of construction and everything else, it was doing a complete new side of the stadium. They're, they're not going to erect or set Vault Hemingway anymore. They're going to actually do it correctly with whatever that, that requires. That would cost, what, about a half a billion dollars right now? I think the initial number was 400000 and if anything, that has gone up. So, yeah, I would assume somewhere between four and 500000 is a guess. Four and $500 million. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was the other, we'd do that tomorrow. Go ahead and go ahead and, and back the backhoe up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, four hundred million to five hundred million would be the number yeah. I would assume there. Probably closer to five hundred. Yeah. Not a cheap project. No. And a in a logistical issue for at least a year, maybe two. Yeah, where you would lose a lot of revenue for at least From one seating. season, mm-hmm. and maybe two seasons while you're trying. It would be. Be a tough pill to swallow. Be very inconvenient. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I'm going to need people to take a little context and nuance here, which I know is a, a struggle Uh-oh. sometimes. I, 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 I'm on a roll, okay? Because I, I I pissed off somebody most people don't even know about early last week, and then I had the Coach Yo thing later in the week, and then whatever. So I, maybe I'm still on rampage mode here, but I, I'm really not. So believe me when I say this, I have no real issue at all with what's going on. Um, I... I This is like a one on a zero to 100 important yard over there. Oh, yeah, I just had to stretch for a second. I'm sorry. This is like a one on a one to 100 importance whatsoever. And I love Tim Elko to death. He's been helpful for me in a lot of ways. And maybe I'm I'm personally invested in that 2022 story because of the book and all. I hate there's not a team statue. There were so many things around that team and the reasons why they kind of got there. There is part of me that kind of hates that it's singled out to one person for that that championship team and putting the kind of the statue and the remembrance in on that. And again, Tim was yeah. the captain. He's the leader. I'm, I'm not, this is not discrediting Tim in any way. No, I get um, it. But I, there was that just was, so much about that team that I kind of go, eh, I hate that. Yeah, 20 years from now when someone goes, yeah, it was all about that, you'd be like, no, it really wasn't. Not not at all. That was – but I don't know. Yeah, again, one on zero to 100. Do not make this yeah. look like I'm going on some rampage about a statue this morning. I'm not. I just – when I have thoughts, I went, hmm, kind of, kind of hate that a little bit. And look, I think Tim would say that. Um, so, yeah, this is what's going to happen: is somebody's going to tweet at Keith Carter and go, "Hey, Chase hates your Elko statue." That's, that's where my and, and you're going to be buying you're going to be buying everybody drinks at Funkies later. Be, I mean, good news for Lee, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're going to be the eco-center center of all that stuff, I mean, let's let go. I mean, the epicenter. I was going to go with ecosystem or epicenter. The epicenter. I mean, you, you want to be the bar that does it. So, Yeah. Um, yes, they are really building the Elko statue, G. It's, uh, it is part of this, uh, this, this, this plaza area for, for 2026. So, anyway, now that we've talked for about 40 minutes, that's the updates from the weekend. Uh, men's basketball knocking off Texas A&M on Saturday night, 71-68 in a game where they were down early, went on a big run, got a halftime lead, extended it out double figures, and then 
look, I'll be I'll be honest, Neil. They got down seven with about four and a half to go, and I went, that looks like it. You look like you're in deep trouble there. And um, I don't think A&M got to stop the rest of the way. Uh, Murray hits the huge three from, I don't know, 25 mm. feet, whatever it was, uh, way behind the three-point line. Jamie you know, got a big offensive rebound. He did. Put back. It was big. Um, not, I, mean, I, I cut you off. I apologize. I, I mean, I thought Chris Beard nailed this which is no surprise because the guy just is phenomenal. But that was not a stat sheet game. If you just took the stat sheet and looked at it, you probably would guess A&M won. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did two things. One, in the first half, they rebounded the ball well enough. A&M's a really good rebounding team. So – for those who don't follow college basketball, Buzz's teams are known as they, they don't beat themselves. They're not going to turn it over a bunch. They're going to rebound the ball well. They're going to play pretty good defense. They're going to throw a lot of different defenses at you. They're going to keep you sort of um, out of sync offensively. And and then on top of that, they have a a star guard in Wade Taylor the fourth. He's, he's, he's awesome. He's terrific. And what Ole Miss was able to do in the first half was because I think they got down eight, nine, ten points in the first half, but they came back. They they took a, I think a two point lead at the half. They played they played really well and down the down the stretch of the first half, and they came out of the gate in the second half with a really strong first four minutes. They built an eleven point lead, and then they just held on, and they they made just enough plays and then there at the end they they got the big three from murray which was huge taylor came back and answered with the three and, and they, they made their six pre- free throws in a row something like that got the ball inbounds a&m's really good at defending the inbounds they were able to get the ball inbounds and different guys made free throws down the stretch and uh they got to stop there at the end because they they didn't they denied Taylor the ball. Radford took the shot. He's a good player too, but he's not Taylor. And um, they got to win. I mean, you know, and and you look at their schedule now. They're four and three. The loss at LSU is the one that I'm sure just kind of is frustrating. But that's part of learning how to win on the road. Uh, LSU's kind of starting to fade. So context, right, is like, yeah, you lost LSU, but you lost LSU early in the year where LSU was still playing okay. And now you have this huge week, Mississippi State tomorrow night, Auburn on Saturday night. Auburn has lost twice in a row now on the road. They lost Both on the road. They lost at Mississippi State. The one thing that's becoming very evident is that winning on the road in this league is a damn bitch. It's just hard. Um I wrote about this in 10 Thoughts. The two worst teams in the league are Arkansas and Vanderbilt. I don't really think that's very debatable right now. And Arkansas gave Kentucky all it wanted in Fayetteville on Saturday. And Vanderbilt, quite frankly, gave Tennessee a, a – they made Tennessee work to uh, to win in Nashville. It, it's pretty much across the board. So this is the week for Ole Miss that – I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, you sweep it and you take off and you're darlings at the this point but you gotta make sure you get one of these two you do i mean yeah you look at the week and i'll get the numbers in a second i mean i guess last couple things on on saturday night is 
they won all those games early before they had complete continuity. Frankly, before they had CSA, there was some bad teams mixed in there. I mean, we that, that that group has come so far from Detroit Mercy having ball in air uh, against them, Sam yeah. Houston State having ball in air in the Tad Pad game, all these different things. Temple having ball in air. They are a tough freaking program late in games. They make a lot of good decisions. They hit free throws. I mean, he is. I mean, compared to – it's really mind-boggling, Neil. I know you and I have talked about this, and we just keep reiterating it. But where this team has come from a year ago in toughness down the stretch and just finding ways to make winning plays, it is a 180 and is remarkable and unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, even Jamin Brakefield. I mean, I'm, I could be one number off this. Jamin Brakefield has hit 30 of his last 31 free throws. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mean, for a dude who plays the four. They're not even to the halfway point of the regular season and they've won more SEC games than they did a year ago. Yeah. They won three last year. They've already won four. Um, Murray has become really fun. The point, Jalen, uh, I mean, Brandon's fine too. He had a good game. Actually, Brandon had his best game as a Rebel on Saturday. He had uh, eight boards, four offense, four defense. Those were huge. Every, yeah. for this team, rebounding is not going to be this team's strength. They, they dominated Arkansas on the boards, but Arkansas is bad. Against good teams, this team's probably going to get out rebounded. So it's going to be about minimizing that deficiency. And so every rebound you get is a big one, especially offensive boards. Allows you to extend possessions, second chance, keep the ball away from your opponent, the whole deal. It's look, it's I had someone ask me yesterday, like, what do you really think? And I'm like, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm not counting them out. I, I this team finds ways to win games. They've done it the whole year. The computers aren't crazy about them because they don't have a lot of game control. That's really it. Um, They're liking them a little more and more as time goes on, and it's only going to increase as they play these good teams. I mean, there's a lot of good net games remaining on their schedule, quad games left on their schedule. 
There's really um, only one potential Mizzou nightmare. at home. Mizzou at home is like the bomb that could go off from a yeah. net from a net standpoint. Everything Ken Palm else, is sixty four today. And and net's better than that. Ken Palm has them lower. Net's than like that. fifty seven, I think. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean if the tournament were held today, would they get in? It'd be it'd be they'd be I think they would get in today. But the tournament's not held today. So I always giggle at those conversations. Like, well, if the tournament were done today, well, they don't seed the tournament in late January. They're going to play in February and that first week of March, and you're going to have conference tournaments. They, They find different ways to win games. They play with a lot of confidence. I thought, and they discussed it on the air as the game was happening. I think it was Damian Fishback was on the call when on the possession where Murray hit the three, I think he thought Chris would take a timeout and Chris let him play, which is what he does with his teams. But it's first year. And I think you want to make sure that you run something. And that probably wasn't the shot that he would have drawn mm-hmm. up, but he trusted his point guard to make that, to take that shot. And he took it and knocked it down. And if they end up getting in the tournament at the end of the season, I think you put a circle by that play. That was a, it was a big moment. Um, Ken Palm has finally today, the first day they have shown them at 500 or better for the season in the SEC. They are projecting a 22 and 9, 9 and 9 now after Saturday night. Who um, that'd be all sorts of bubble. <laughs> God. They are predicting wins against Mississippi State at home, uh, Missouri at home, South Carolina at home, Missouri away, and Texas A&M at home for 9 and 9. You so need the, you need Bama or Auburn at home. You got to get one of those two. I was going to say so that's giving them losses to Auburn at home, Bama at home, at South Carolina, and at Georgia, and at Georgia. Yeah, and, and I, there are winnable games the, of those losses. Obviously, I think by the time they get to Athens, that might be more winnable than it would be today. Yeah, I mean, I, if you told me to pick an over under the way they're playing, I would set it at nine and a half. Well, 10's going to get them in. Oh, 10's in. 23 and 10? Come on. Yeah, 10's 23 in. overall wins, 10 SEC wins. Yeah, you'd, you'd be you'd be in. You'd go to Nashville playing for seeding. If you're 9, got that first-round game in Nashville's going to feel big. Whether it is or isn't, it's going to feel big. When you're lacing uh, it up against Florida or A&M or LSU or somebody and you go, oh, God, okay. Gonna feel yeah. like, it's going to feel like a big game. Um. Yeah, I mean, but look, the fact that we're talking about this because it was about this time last year that I started saying, "Hey, if Chris Beard's hireable, you have to hire him." While Ole Miss still had a coach on the court, it was the end of January that we started talking about: Can you hire Chris Beard? Can you hire Will Wade? That was the podcast we were doing this time last year, and the fact that now we're talking about paths to the NCAA tournament shows you just how rapidly he has turned that program around. And I anticipate Tuesday night, Saturday night, to be massive crowds. And I know people will say, well, yeah, Auburn's bringing a lot of people on Saturday. Sure. Doesn't change the fact that it's going to be a massive crowd at those games. He's completely, in in less than a year, he has completely changed the... Everything perception of the program, the direction of the program, 
the effectiveness of the program, everything. In 10 months, it's, it's a stunning job. Press conferences are great. He was good after the game. Was yeah, awesome. he was he was really good. I mean, he, and I, th- I thought his answer about that was their first time to win in that building. I mean, Buzz has – and he talked about it, how Buzz has made that a tough place to play, and he has. Um, Andy didn't win there. I think Andy had one crack at it, maybe two. Um, Kermit didn't win there. And like he said, Kermit won at a bunch of gyms, and he didn't win there. Um, and then for them to go in and do it even on a night when Wade Taylor the fourth went for 30. Because if you tell Chris before the game, hey, Taylor goes for 30, he probably goes, "We're it's going to be tough. That's going to be a lot to overcome. And they were, they were able to do all of the ancillary things to hang in, and then they made big buckets. And that was fans. Clutch. Fans are fans at every program in the country because I went over to Aggie Yale and they want to fire Buzz Williams um, today. Shoot. And it's like, ah, eh, eh. good luck, guys. I mean, Thanks. good luck getting one better than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a fan. You know that. It's just that. hard. The whole freaking a- league is good. It's hard. Yeah, the league's good. It's it's again, it's my point about But that had to feel devastating for AM. They needed it. You're up seven with four to go and it's in your home arena. And road yeah. games are so hard. Sure. Sure. But there's just not many easy games. I mean, Florida had a twenty one point lead over Georgia in the second half. Georgia came back and forced overtime. You know what how devastating that loss would have been? I mean, again, you go to Fayetteville, Arkansas's done. They're done. I mean, there's a lot of rumblings about Eric Musselman and the Louisville job and stuff like that. And they get this raucous crowd that goes, hey, let's treat this like the Super Bowl. And what do you have, five, six minutes to go? And it, it, you're, it's a one-possession game. I mean, it's right there. And you're Kentucky. And you're like, this would be a bad loss. Um, it, there's just There just aren't gimmies right now. Just, I mean, Miss, Auburn goes to Mississippi State. And it's a – Real low scoring, kind of a slugfest sort of game, and state ends up outplaying them in the final stanza, and they lose in Starkville. That's that's this league. It's right now. There's there's a couple of bad teams, but even those teams, you've got to play them, especially when you go to their place. Like again, credit to Jerry Stackhouse. They're in deep trouble. Their nets two fifty or whatnot, and and yet they. For about 25, 26, 27 minutes, they were right there with Tennessee, who I think is a Final Four contender. It wasn't good for Ole Miss's indirect metrics, but congrats to AK. Got a big one over the Tigers yesterday in, uh, in Birmingham. You were you were going up head-to-head with the NFL playoffs, so it was a time to try something. But his in-game mic'd up was really good yesterday. They did a nice job with that. Yeah, that was uh, no shot, was it? Yeah, no. Penny, <laughs> Penny did not do as well. Yeah. Penny was not as comfortable. I mean – Andy's providing, like, you know, commentary and coaching at the same time. <laughs> and that was a big win for them. They had a big crowd at Bartow, and, and, uh, yeah. and not good for Ole Miss. Ole Miss needs Memphis. The two teams, if you're Ole Miss right now, that you really don't need to just take the pipe, you need Memphis to play well, and you don't and need LSU. Oh. You don't need LSU to keep falling. You, you kind of want LSU to win a few games because – you don't want that loss to become a – you don't want LSU to fall below 135. Yeah, and at least they were on the road. Um, and, and, they then, prob- and they probably won. And in the non-con, UCF, you need that to be as good as possible because that's a road win. Yeah. So if you keep them in the top 75 or 
hundred. That would be uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, just quickly, SEC roundup from uh, Saturday mentioned it's uh, Vanderbilt really did give Tennessee some trouble. They were up five at the half. Tennessee wins 75-62 there at Memorial in Nashville. You mentioned Kentucky struggling with Arkansas and Fayetteville. The, the Razorbacks now 10-10, and 1-6, and and Debo Davis is off the team. It's just a mess all the way around. Kentucky 63-57. State won 64-58, kind of dominating the last three or four minutes there in that one. Florida ended up winning 102-98 in a very high-scoring game. Georgia has lost games to Florida and Kentucky, where they scored over 90 in both games and lost both games. In the last uh, in the last three, South Carolina wins uh, 72-64 in a bit of a sleepy game there uh, in Columbia against the uh, the Tigers, and then Alabama rolled at home against LSU 109-88. Bama scores 109 points. They they had quite the week with two home games, beating Auburn earlier in the week, and then uh, getting the win over LSU in the blowout right there. So. Um, Big, uh, big week for for the Tide, who suddenly is what six and one in the SEC. Yeah, six and one in the SEC at this point. Yeah, they're, and their net's like six, I think. Yeah, they're you know they're they're if the tournament were seeded today. They'd probably be a two or a three seed. Um, the only two games on Tuesday, um, Mississippi State at Ole Miss, as mentioned, uh, states three and four in the SEC, Ole Miss four and three, state fourteen and six overall. We'll look at them closer tomorrow, and then South Carolina's at Tennessee. Um, at 5.30 is the opening game of the doubleheader there on Tuesday night. So, Gamecocks go in and bowl, Thompson Bowling and take your best shot, but Tennessee's really damn good at home. Yeah, South Carolina's put themselves in a position for that to be a free shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday, just a very quick look. Anything of real interest? Uh, not really. Missouri definitely needs that home win against Arkansas just to pick up a – I mean, could you have a worse game? Arkansas at 1-6 at Missouri, who's 0-7 in the league right now. And then uh, Bama's at Georgia. Feels like a must-win for Mike White right there. Slipping on him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And they're 4-3 in the league, but they're 14-6 and six overall. It's just kind of – their net's like 80. If, if they're going to make a tournament run, and I don't think they are, if they're going to make a tournament run, it has to start now. So, and then Florida at Kentucky is your other game. On a... Then the other thing you watch is you just kind of watch the national race. Like, I watched a couple of ACC games on Saturday, and there's a lot of talk about the ACC only getting two bids. Um the Mountain West getting more bids than the ACC. The the Big 12 is going to get a bunch of bids. The question with the SEC is can you have enough good numbers to get eight bids? I mean, that's, that's what you want. Because, I mean, right now today, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky, those four are all in. South Carolina is probably in. And then teams like Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Florida, those are all teams you can make really compelling arguments for, but they're sort of bubbly in terms of metrics. So does the league get six bids or does it get eight bids? That's the question. I mean, if, if you're Ole Miss, you want to be 10 and 8 and in the 40s? Yeah, and if you're 10 and 8, you'll be in the 40s, and they'll be good to go. Okay. That makes sense. You know, and if it's a seven-bid league, you've got – Florida, Texas A&M, Ole Miss kind of fighting for two bids. We'll hit and it more tomorrow. The, Go ahead. That's where the whole Nashville thing becomes big. You go there and let's say you play Georgia in a first-round game. 
you just can't lose it you, you just, you, because that creates an opportunity for one of those other teams to go on a run. You want to win that game, and then if you lose on, say, Friday at the SEC tournament, lose to one of the big teams. Lose to, When I say big, I mean the numbers. Lose to Kentucky, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee. Lose to one of those teams where it doesn't hurt your net. It looks like, and we'll get to the other stuff in a second to close in a minute, but uh, it looks like people agree with me. Bill Belichick's not going to get a gig, is he? I mean, it doesn't appear so. I mean, yeah. I guess the argument there is he's too old. He doesn't have Tom he Brady, and he's lost. He should run for president. He'd be 10 <laughs> years younger than those I guys. Say he's very young. Yeah, yeah. What's Bill, 71? I think so. Yeah. I think he's Saban's age. Getting a rematch of the 2020 Super Bowl, Chiefs 49ers. Uh, Chiefs dispatched to the Ravens. Really just dominated the game because Baltimore. I, I've we see it at the college level a lot, and you see it in pro things in a while. Baltimore was nervous as hell. They couldn't execute. They looked different. They have all season. The moment was too big for that team for whatever reason. I mean, you you have two turnovers in the end zone. Lamar Jackson yeah. has some of the worst throws of the season. I mean, the that flowers, was... The Flowers fumble. In both games, the fumble was the killer. The Flowers fumble killed the Ravens. If they yeah. score right there, it's a different game. Who knows what happens? And then it's, it's the, the Detroit fumble. I guess it was uh, Gibbs. Runs the wrong direction, takes as an awkward play. He has a fumble. It turns into a quick score for the Niners. I thought those two plays shaped those two games more than anything else. Yeah. Um, were you locked in all day or what? I know you're kind of immobile. So, um, no, I was watching. I watched the Thunder and the Pistons. They started at one o'clock. The Pistons were like the worst team in the NBA and they destroyed the Thunder. It just made no sense at all. But I was watching that. And then I watched the rest of Baltimore, Kansas city, which was a frustrating game for me because I don't like the Ravens, but I wanted the chiefs to lose. (laughs) Then I watched a good, I watched a good bit of uh, AK's game while the Detroit game was going on and Detroit built this lead and it was just kind of fun. And then, it fell apart so fast that I I was trying to will the Lions to a win, and, and it, it couldn't happen. So by the end of the day, I was I, I was just – other than Andy winning, everybody that I cheered for lost. So it was like one of those kind of a kind of a Debbie Downer day, you know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm like, San, San Francisco, Kansas City, it'll be like, okay, well, what do you want? You want to cook something fun? Because I don't care. Like neither one of those teams – I guess I'll cheer for the Niners. I just don't like the Chiefs. I realize that more and more. But I don't really like the Niners either. So it'll be that Super Bowl. It'll be like when you, if it were the Falcons and the, and the I don't know, who's an AFC team you hate? I mean, probably probably the Chiefs or the Ravens. I mean, that, like that's what's funny about it is yeah, yesterday you're going, God, Baltimore is such a pain in the ass. But sure, go Ravens. Woo! Yeah, well, like I could have gotten in, I could have gotten into Detroit if they had won. I would have been. Oh, I was. I mean, for okay, let me keep this within context. For a a game or a team that I have zero emotional investment in, like not even like your kind of second or third favorite team that you sort of follow and don't know why. I was in, I was as invested in the Lions as humanly possible yesterday. I like yeah. Jared Goff. I like Dan Campbell. It's a great story for their 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 city and the team and all that stuff. I. 
I would typically only do this for a team I really care about. There at the end, when I knew it was over, I turned it off because I just didn't want to see the end of it. And I went, I'm good. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm out. There was some qu- – I mean, we'll talk about it probably tomorrow a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of questionable stuff. Campbell's getting crucified for the fourth and three going for it instead of kicking a 48-yard field goal. And I kind of go back and forth, but here's my thing. And I, I always have told – and the reason I thought about this is because I've told myself as a columnist, you can't praise Lane Kiffin all year long when he goes for it. And then the one time it doesn't work, go after him and, and try to draw blood as a, as a journalist. And so I caught myself doing that with Campbell. He's, that's the way he's coached all season. And so for him to continue to stay true to what they've done – it just didn't work, and that stage happened to be really big, and all these people are now just just going it, for the it's, jugular. It's wrong. It's the deal that I tweeted yesterday, and hardly anybody got it because that's what happens on social media. And I related to that and said, I mean, I'll pull it up exactly. Um, by the way, I have state fans arguing in my mentions this morning because Ole Miss is expanding their stadium. I, I forget that Mississippi State also created baseball stadiums in addition to uh, – the entire sport. They apparently well, did I mean, these, these, these stadiums, if, too. I don't know if you know this, but they invented college baseball. They did, yes. That appears to be the thing. I said the field goal would have been would have looked nice there, but it makes you appreciate Lane Kiffin or Dan Campbell for the thick skin to go for it. A lot of coaches are terrified of the second guessing that social media is providing in real time. Outcome does not equal good or bad decision. Yeah. And I 100% agree with that because, yeah, it's – now, look, when – I think Campbell will become a better coach as time goes on because he'll have a better feel versus analytics. Lane has gotten better about this. Of you're melding them together, and that's when you're really good. Is you understand both sides of that and how to how to do that adaptively as time goes on. I would have pushed it out to 17 because analytically that's three scores and that makes sense to me. The one late in the game, I had no issue. You, his kicker's not perfect. He could miss a 48 yard field goal. You haven't stopped the 49ers. You probably need a touchdown right there, just the way the game control and everything was flowing in that. And everybody on the internet, as you said, completely outcome-based. It is a bad decision simply because it didn't work. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. So if the guy makes a diving catch, it was a great decision? I mean, like, it just makes no freaking sense. No, I always go back to the one of the plays in the Ole Miss season last year that I thought was critical. And I thought Lane made the right call. And I get Arkansas, the Arkansas game. Ole Miss had a lead. It was fourth quarter, about 12 minutes to go. But Arkansas had just taken the lead. They had just driven down the field. They, they had put together a, a pretty impressive drive. They scored on a pass from Jefferson to the, the freshman tight end. I can't think of his name. They take the lead and, and Ole Miss ends up in a fourth and one at their own 34. And Lane goes for it. And he, they made it, and they went on and scored, got to stop and scored again. Everybody goes, oh, brilliant. But the same people emotionally, let's say that was a because it was a bad snap. Judkins made a really good play. They ran kind of wildcat. Let's say it's a bad snap and Judkins doesn't get the first down. Gets tackled at the 33 for a minus one. And Arkansas takes the ball there and – keeps its offensive momentum and scores and wins. Just the, a lot of people would have really ridiculed Lane for that call. You have to punt there. It doesn't work like that. 
And that's what Lane says. He says it all the time, and he's exactly right. And kind of Dan Campbell said yesterday, I don't regret those decisions. If you go in and say, this is our plan, this is how we play, this is what we do, we live by this book, we die by this book, okay, you're consistent. You can't say, it can't all be outcome-based. It's the one thing everyone should learn from Nick Saban is it is process. And if your team knows, and I think the Ole Miss team knew, and I think the Detroit Lions knew, hey, we're going to go for it here. Okay. Everyone's in on that. It's not, it's not a mad scientist over there. No, they, they, you're, you're aware all week. Hey, in situations like this, this is what we're going to do. In that situation, Kippen did not want to give the ball back to a team that had just found some offensive momentum, that had just had a really impressive drive that went off the field feeling good about themselves. He didn't want to give them the ball back. And yeah, you could have punted it 45 yards and made them drive it again, but if they'd gotten it back, driven it down the field and taken six, seven minutes off the clock, you lose. He -hmm. didn't want to do that. He wanted to control his own outcome. And in that moment, Dan Campbell wanted to take the lead again. He wanted to put the pressure back on the the, the Niners, and it just didn't work. The Niners, who are a, a very good team, they're in the Super Bowl. They made a stop. And it goes the same way. If you don't get it, there's no guarantee the other team's about to score. You can play defense, too. I mean, that's the point. There's so many variables in either way, just like the field goal is not automatic. I mean, it makes me think back to – we talked about this a lot last year – because I'm seeing all kind of Pete Carroll stuff over in the stream right now, because we're talking about him being out of a job as well, is there's an entire chapter on one of the books I read. Annie Duke, the former professional poker player, is one of my favorite kind of self-help authors. And she went through this in pages and pages and pages. The biggest black mark on his resume is the play in the Super Bowl there at the end. He made the right call. He strictly only got whatever because it got picked off. He made completely and unequivocally the correct statistical call on that play. But everybody goes, yeah, no, was, it didn't work. You're, you you suck. You're an idiot. That's it. I'm in a group chat with uh, Siski and Jeff Collins, and I stumbled across this uh, the other day. The Patriots had practiced that very play, and in practice they had not stopped it. It was the play they worried about. And so the Seahawks actually ran a play right there that the Patriots had pre-scouted and had practiced for that exact moment. So instead of giving the credit to New England for knowing a tendency very subtly mm-hmm. and practicing it that week and then happening to get it play, we, we do the blame game. Someone in the, in the stream brings up a good point. To me, the questionable decision for Dan Campbell was right before the half, fourth and goal at about the two-and-a-half, almost three-yard yeah. line. He went ahead and kicked it and went up 17. I wonder if he says, you know, I should have gone for it, and maybe we score right there, and it's the knockout punch. I don't know. And At I, the time, I, 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 at I, the thought, time, I, I liked the field goal. The goal. I, did I did, too. too. Yeah. Like I said, I keep coming back to when you can get to three possessions, just get to three possessions. Just do that. Because also, analytically, that's not fourth down on the 45 where you don't know about the field goal. That was a guarantee. That was a 20-yard field goal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you three points or a 50-50 decision. Okay, I'll take the three points. A 48-yard field goal is not an automatic field goal. So that's a different... 
No, in fact, he from that range, he's about 75%. Which is good, but it's not guaranteed. I mean, one out of four. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't... Beats me. It's uh, really, It's really hard to win playoff games. It's really hard to get to the Super Bowl. It's why, as much as I dislike them, I tip my hat to the Chiefs. They oh, just get dude. there. Just keep showing. Mahomes just we're we're we are witnessing greatness. It's happening right in front of us. It's it's he goes to Baltimore and wins. He makes plays. All the Kelsey stuff. Kelsey has a Hall of Fame kind of game in, in that moment. I mean just they just made plays. And again, the Flowers fumble was just huge, but it was a play that was made on defense. Um, I think Sneed made the play. It was just a perfect tackle where you tackle the ball at the same time, and he knocked it out. And that was I mean, that was the game that that completely did it. Because if he scores there, Flowers scores there, who knows? If you want a good college basketball game tonight, that I think probably is pretty close. Uh, number four, Houston's at Texas at eight o'clock tonight on ESPN. Um, it's kind of the only thing today that has any real relevance from a live coverage. Uh, your boys at Iowa hired an OC yesterday. Saw that. Former uh, Western Michigan head coach Tim Lester taking yep. on the role. That'll fix it. Done now. Who's the quarterback well, next year? Still same dude, right? Um, the Michigan transfer? McNamara? McNamara. Mac- yeah. Yeah, is that it? I think. Good for him. Yeah. Hey, man, Thunder Timberwolves play tonight for the number one seed in the West. It's January 29th, not necessarily for the number one seed in the West, but okay. You know, for the number one seed for now in the West. Okay, that's fair. I'm a little surprised I didn't have that on the list then. That was not on the list that I saw this morning. Well, after they lose to the Pistons, maybe nobody really thought about it. They lost to the Pistons? Yesterday, yeah. Got How'd that smoked. happen? Um... It's the NBA, man. I mean, everybody's good. They they didn't show, and they've been on the road a bunch, and it showed. And Detroit, Detroit got them. Something tells me if you asked a bunch of Detroiters yesterday, hey, you can either have a Pistons win or a Lions win, <laughs> <laughs> they would have thrown the Pistons to the Wolves. Just, just think. Um, um, Mark Bell asking, why do I think Pete's not received a job? Because he wants GM responsibilities too. He doesn't want to just coach. He wants to run the whole shooting match and not a lot of GMs are going to go yeah you know what bring Pete in here and let him fire me in 48 hours and a lot of you owners said, have not gone that way you said Texas plays Houston where's that game that is in Austin that's why I think oh. it's interesting okay thank God because I was very concerned for the Texas players that some of the <laughs> Houston fans might wear a t-shirt gosh uh, I know it has come out that BYU asked their own players, but you can't tell me that Texas didn't ask for that. Um, like I said, uh, Texas has already wanted to know if the SEC was going to enforce the horns down the way the Big 12 did, with it being a personal foul on the opponent. Um, I, I I have never seen a more entitled fan base ever. And it is. It's, it, they, they ran that conference to such an extent they got whatever they want that it's just ingrained in them now. It, 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 it's just what they expect. I mean, you talked about thick skin. Their skin is translucent. Oh, it's it's they're, it is it, it is the snakes after it's been shed, like where you can see through it and 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 just oh, 
they, they, this is not this is not going to go well. This is just not going to go well when they go to some of the places in this league. Like they're they're going to have an emotional breakdown when they go to Baton Rouge. I'm telling you, the way they act makes that there will be some games. Not always. I will mostly still side that direction. There will be some days where I cheer for the Aggies instead, just because they get on my last nerve with this stuff. Yeah, those two teams battle it up, and I'm just watching it, and I pick somebody because. Do you put any stock at all into the Texas A&M to the Big Ten rumor? No. Come on. For what? To avoid Texas? Oh, because supposedly they're just mad about Texas. Oh, good grief. Cash your check and shut up. Well, you cash a big check in the Big Ten, too. Oh, you sure. I mean, that's the ultimate. I'm going to take my toys and go home. I'm going to go play <laughs> Illinois and Indiana instead of Oklahoma and Texas. <laughs> I'll show you. We're going to go to Penn State. Okay, good. Yeah, when they start losing to Illinois and Northwestern every year, their people are going to be going, oh, how do we keep losing to the Illinois schools? Yeah. Good God, no. I mean, Oklahoma's already debuted their new football jerseys with the SEC patch on them. Yeah. Oh, Oklahoma's all in. They're excited. Yeah. They they are kind of like kid on Christmas morning a little bit. They're wanting to show off the clothes and the whole deal, and they're they're, they're well, kind of they're they're pumped up. And unlike Texas, they they privately and they even publicly will admit that hey, we're probably going to have a little some growing pains here. This this is probably going to be a transition. There's going to be some. We're we're probably in for some shocks. And they're like, yeah, yes, you are. You absolutely are. Texas, yeah. on the other hand, they're they're more concerned about you know are they going to be are they going to be treated fairly. No. And the answer is no. You're going to be treated like everyone else. That's how you're going to be treated. I mean, if they're going to get offended by some t-shirts at a BYU game, I can't even imagine what that They got frustrated by BYU. Okay? Like, think about that again. BYU. Students wearing t-shirts that spelled out horns down. You made the t-shirt. You made the kids change the t-shirts. You're going to be I lucky. Mean, batteries aren't thrown at you or something like this. Is I mean that's at BYU. I mean, what are you? What's it going to be like on Saturday night in Baton Rouge or Columbia, South Carolina? Or and you have the reputation now, so it's happening in every sport. Basketball is going to suck for you next season. Oh my God, they're going to people. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Now, they did catch the ultimate SEC break. The league gave them a really soft schedule as far as road games and what they actually have to endure. We're gonna, we're still really two years away from the, oh, you get a real schedule now. They got to go to Mississippi State, though. Like that's yeah. In their eyes, that's going to be tame, and it won't be. No. That'll be a really big game in Starkville, and they'll treat it that way. Yeah. So, anyway. As Kyle Tucker uh, said on Twitter the other day, he was busy uh, trademarking a horns down shirt for every school in the SEC, and then his second thing to do was buy a private island um, for for next season. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Neyland is not going to be just a walk in the park, there, guys. When you get up there in a couple of years, yeah, that, that's a better example than South Carolina. Yeah, you, you, I'm going to guess that there's going to be some horn, horns down at. At Neyland. I'm just, and I'm going to guess that the SEC and Tennessee go, we can't control this. 
yeah, sorry. Sorry, Del Conte. Uh, only so much I can do here, okay? So, I mean, geez. You literally signed up for this, okay? Uh-oh. You asked for this. Yeah. So, all right, we'll hit more NFL tomorrow. Uh, we will take a closer look at Mississippi State because they are in the pavilion facing the Rebels uh, at 7.30 tomorrow night. Good good basketball team. They've, they've had a good year. They're a tough team. So, uh, we'll have a little more preview action of that. Rebelgrove.com in the meantime. Any recruiting that uh, that pops. A lot of talk yesterday about B, uh, B.J. Green headed to Colorado. And then, um, again, basketball, baseball, stuff on the site there. So, I uh, appreciate everybody again. Uh, Bobby Ray, thank you so much for your couple super chats today. Good crowd here this morning. So, thanks to all of you, and we will talk to you again very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.